Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for this time that we get to come together. And as we do so, we're asking, Holy Spirit, guide us. Holy Spirit, enable us. Give us ears that can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church on this very important topic we call prayer. You've called prayer. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the, these parents of this five-year-old daughter, they were, uh, yeah, she was kind of misbehaving, and you know how that goes, but uh, they, as part of her punishment, they said, as part of her punishment, and it hoped to adjust her attitude some, they said, okay, we're giving the assignment to pray for the evening meal. She bowed her head. She prayed, Lord, thank you for preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> a group of elementary students were visiting a fire station. The captain of the station gave them a tour. And, and as the tour ended, he gathered them all together to give, some, give them a little fire instruction. And he said, you know, if the fire... If, if, there's a fire in your house, and especially at night, if you're in bed, here's what you do. You get up, and you feel the door. You don't open the door. You feel the door to see if it's hot. And then the next thing you do is you fall on your knees. You know, and, and he said, does anyone know here know why you fall on your knees? And, of course, what he wanted was, you know, because you get down low, and the air is smoke-free down there. But this little girl begins to jump up and say, I know, I know, ask me. And, and so... The fire chief nodded at her, and she said, you fall on your knees so you can ask God to get you out of this mess. <laughs> now, as we start out today, uh, let, let me say, I don't think there's anything more important to a Christ follower's life and spiritual life than the development of his or her personal prayer life. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus is ministering all day long. And uh, goes to bed late, and then verse 35 we read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I mean, Jesus got up. He had to be tired, but that didn't matter because time with the Father was way more important than anything else. And Jesus is our model for how we ought to live. Um, how we ought to go about this relationship. You know, prayer is one of the most often talked about topics in Scripture. The Scriptures have way more to say about prayer than they do almost any other topic, more to say about prayer than love. And we know how important love is in a Christ follower's life. But the truth is, prayer empowers love. There's more, there's more about prayer than there is my favorite topic, joy. 
Most of you know, I, I, uh, joy of the Lord is my strength. Uh, I, I just, I, uh, yeah, you know, I hold joy as close to my heart as I can. But the truth is, the thing that empowers joy is prayer. Prayer. Today, I, I want to go through some of the key texts on prayer and hopefully encourage your personal prayer life and your spiritual growth with our Lord and Savior and King, Jesus Christ. Um, now, I've showed many of you before my prayer journal. I I'll usually have this with me wherever I go. Um, I keep track of my prayers. I have found this really encourages my faith. Uh, and what I do, when I get a prayer request, I write the date over here uh, on the left side of the column, and then I write a short description of the prayer request, and when that prayer request is answered, then I fill in the answer date. I change the journal out. I change this out every three months. I'm two months into this journal, and I keep track of how many answered prayers I have, and after two months in this journal, I have 260 answered prayers. Here's what will happen if you begin to keep track of your prayers. You'll see so many more prayers answered. And when you see so many more prayers answered, guess what? <laughs> You'll pray more. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Now, another thing that I do, and I, I want to share this with you as well, in the first few lines of my prayer list, the first few lines, I have copied down biblical references I have memorized on prayer. And I'm going to go through those with you just as if I were, uh, yeah, in my quiet time, because this is how I started out always. I'll sit down, relax, breathe deep, and then I'll recite to the Lord these verses. I'll put them up for you. Psalms 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and petitions or requests. With this in mind, keep on praying for all the saints. Psalms 37, 4, and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto him, trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans you have for me, Lord. Plans to prosper me, prosper me and not harm me. Plans to give me future and a hope. Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will have already heard. 1 John chapter 3, 21 and 22. If our hearts do not condemn us, we come before God with great expectation, and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us, and we know that he hears, hears us. We know we, that we have obtained the petitions we require of him. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know. John chapter 16, verse 24, up to now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And uh, John 15, 7 and 8, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. 
Ask whatever you will, and it'll be given to you by my Father, my, my Father in heaven. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, thus showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, by the time I go through these promises with the Lord, my heart is filled with faith, and I'm all set to believe that God will answer the prayers that I offer to him. Um, let me track a few of these with you just so you can see why they're, why they're there. The first one, uh, Psalms chapter 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name. Now, after I've gone through my, the, the promises to God and reminded him uh, of what he's promised to me, I also, my next thing is I have special praise pages in my journal, and I put the date down, and then I write the things that I'm really thankful for, uh, and I, I've got, you know, two, three different days on each page, and, uh, but sometimes I'll write, and there's four or five things, and I write that many things, whatever I'm, I'm finding myself thankful for, maybe the prayers he's answered the day before, uh, you know, sometimes there's 20, <laughs> you know, and sometimes, you know, and there's several pages with 10, and so on, just, but, when I come to prayer, I want to come to prayer before God with a thankful heart and um, keeping track of things you're thankful for. Really, really helpful in that regard. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert, and Always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people or all of the saints, uh, some translations say it. You know, these are the, I call the three alls of prayer. You know, all, all occasions, you know, you go along in life and they're just, things happen. You meet people, you know, lots of opportunity along the way on all occasions. You know, with all kinds of prayers and petitions, there we're going to come back to this in just a moment. But there are all kinds of different, there are, there isn't just one kind of prayer. Uh, Jesus used several kinds, and we want to go through those. And, and finally, pray for all the saints. In my prayer journal, I, I have a, a couple of different disciple groups, and on a regular basis, I'm involved in other people's lives and, and part of discipling them. And I've got all of them listed out in my journal because I, I, I want to be praying. I want to be praying for them on a regular basis. Now, all kinds of prayers uh, and petitions or all kinds of prayers and requests. So let me just go through this real quickly with you. You know, there are several prayer things that you want to have in your prayer toolkit. <laughs> you know, one, you know, the most common one is intercession. We all pray intercessory. Is there intercessory times of prayer? kinds of prayers, where we're praying for a situation in our life or somebody else's life or even in the world. Uh, sometimes we're praying specifically for, you know, another person that God will bring good and benefit to their lives. Intercessory, intercessory prayer, we all pray that kind of prayer. But there's a prayer of command. There's another kind, the prayer of command. Jesus prayed this prayer so often. He used this prayer so often. He's in the boat with the disciples. They're on the Sea of Galilee. We were on the Sea of Galilee just a couple months ago with, uh, yeah, with 42 of us from the church. And uh, it was a calm, bright day, and there was no storm. But Jesus was on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is in this 
it's just surrounded by mountains, and so it's in this bowl, and the weather just radically changes, shifts, shifts just like on a dime. And uh, the disciples are with Jesus in the boat, and a storm comes up, and the boat is tossed around, and, and, and water's coming in, and the disciples are afraid they're going to die, and they grab a Jesus and wake him up, and say, Lord, I wake up. Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus looked around, and he stood up, and he said, Storm! Be quiet. And everything went calm. Prayer of command. It's a type of prayer. Remember, remember that, you know, John chapter 11, we have the account. You know, Jesus had three really good friends that lived in Bethany, which is just a little ways from Jerusalem on the top of the, over the peak of the Mount of Olives. Um, Martha, Mary, Lazarus. You know, three of his best friends in the world. Uh, he often stayed at their house when he was down to, visiting in Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, but you know the story. John 11, we have the account where Lazarus dies. And Jesus is delayed in getting there. And, you know, Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days. And Jesus goes to the graveside, and you have the shortest text in the New Testament there because it says Jesus wept, <laughs> you know, because he, yeah, that law, if he's a, he was human just like we are, and he felt the loss. He felt the loss. But then he gave the instructions, roll back the stone. And um, Mary and Martha tried to restrain him. Jesus, wait a minute, he, his body will be rotting right now, and he'll stink. And Jesus said, roll back the stone. And then he stood and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out of the tomb alive. <laughs> yeah. That's the prayer of command. We see Jesus using the prayer of command, you know, whenever he faced a demon. It's fascinating. You go through the Bible in the Old Testament, you have, you know, you have some some evidence and some witnesses of demonic activity, but you get in the New Testament and, and suddenly just every place Jesus shows up, here's these demons. And I assume that's because, you know, the presence of God comes and the demon, you know, had no choice but to show himself. And, and so Jesus cast out hundreds of demons. When he cast out a demon, the Bible instructs us how he did it. He said, evil spirit, come out of him. Prayer command. If you get involved in spiritual warfare, you need to put the prayer of command in your prayer toolkit. I've been involved in a many of, of these situations where you have a demonized person, you know, and, and you always use the prayer of command. In Jesus' name, I command you, evil spirit, come out of him. And he comes out. Prayer of command. Prayer of command is also helpful, I find, you know, in praying for people who are ill. People who are ill. Um, probably the first thing I'll do if, we, if, we're, if someone comes for prayer or um, is, you know, if something's going on, I'll say, do, do you have any pain? I'll ask that question right up front. Do you have any pain? And the first thing I'll do is put hands on them and I'll say, in Jesus' name, pain, I command you, go. In Jesus' name. And so often the pain will disappear and the person's faith is encouraged and then we can, you know, pray for the rest. Um, I don't know how many times I haven't had an opportunity with a room full of people and I'll say, well, do you, does anybody here have a, have a headache? 
Now raise your hand, and I'll just look at them. In Jesus' name, I command headache, go. In Jesus' name. Now, I've seen that done hundreds of times. Prayer command. It's a, it's, it's a prayer that you put in your toolkit, you know, and, you know, it, you say, well, you know, aren't we, you know, we're supposed to pray for the sick. Yeah, but Jesus, Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He told the church, heal the sick. I'm trying to be a model to show you how to do this. <laughs> to show you how to do this. And that's why, you know, that's why it's important. Put some tools in your toolkit. The prayer of pronouncement. Several times you read in Scripture, we can go through several of them, but uh, several times Jesus will, you know, in the situation, he, he will encourage the person's faith, kind of do things that draw it out of them, you know, draw faith out or draw faith to the top, and, and then he'll just pronounce, your faith has made you well. <laughs> I, I want to show you one. Uh, this, this one's kind of fun, and uh, it's found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and we'll put it up on, on the screen for you. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Um, Verse, you know, begin verse 46. And they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now you have to realize, okay, that uh, this is the end. Jesus only, you know, he'll go up to Jerusalem and they'll be on the last week of his life before the cross. So he's ministered for three and a half years in the country. He's healed hundreds of blind people. Well, Bartimaeus, one of the blind people, just said, if I ever am near Jesus, I'm going to get to him and have my eyes healed. That's in his heart. Okay, you got you to know that as, as you head into this, we head in this account. So next, then when Jesus heard, when he, wait, so when Bartimaeus, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, if you were blind in that situation, would you be quiet? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, It's a real fun story, so let's get the rest of it. Uh, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, something many of us don't know is that if in the first, you know, in, if you lived in Israel in that, you know, time Jesus was alive, the priest had a special duty. If you were, had a physical infirmity, like you were blind or you were crippled in some kind of way, you know, what would happen, you would go to the priest, and the priest would check you out, and if it was, you know, if you had a, something that was pretty debilitating, uh, they would then give you what was called a beggar's garment or a beggar's cloak. And what happened was, only, only if you had that beggar's cloak were you allowed to beg. To beg. Almsgiving was a part, an important part of the religious life, of the Jewish religious life in the first century. Almsgiving. 
so that people who were, you know, who had the beggar's coat could become probably pretty wealthy just from the alms that they received. But the, the coat, the garment was given to prevent someone from trying to scam the system. And so it was required. Beggar, they wouldn't, some, no one would give you anything unless you had the beggar's garment. Okay? You got to watch this. Okay, this is fun. Because the beggar, Bartimaeus, I mean the blind man, Bartimaeus, he hears it. Jesus is calling you, and he jumps to his feet. He grabs a hold of that beggar's garment, and he whirls it around, and he gives it a throw. I'm not going to need you anymore. <laughs> and he goes to Jesus. And you got to notice something here. You know, the guy's blind, all right? Jesus could have went to him real easily. But you see, Jesus is trying to draw his faith out. Yeah. You know, tell him to come. And, and, and so he comes, throws the begging garment away. And then there's one last thing. You know, Jesus will say to him then, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. You know, you can just see Jesus is drawing his faith out. And when it's at this pinnacle, then Jesus announces it. Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Um, fascinating, because you see that happening in a number of different places where Jesus, you know, it's not just, doesn't just, you know, automatically do the miracle. You know, he draws the faith out and then pronounces, oh, it's done, you're healed. <laughs> go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Here's an important tool for your prayer kit. It's called the prayer of blessing. The prayer of blessing. I, I think this is one of the ones that's neglected in most of the churches in America, uh, or maybe in Christianity. But let's start with 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And Jabez, Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. And God granted him, him his request. By the way, the, the, uh, the verb with pain is, is a reflective verb, so it means that I may be free from pain and be free from causing pain. So we wait, cool. Uh, and God answered his request. Now let me ask you a question. Who's Jabez? Who's Jabez? What makes Jabez so special? If God could bless Jabez, why can't he bless you? Why can't he bless me? When's the last time you prayed for the Lord bless, or Lord's blessing over your life? Whoa, come on, people of God. This is our heritage. This is part of who we are. Part of who we are. I want to show you one more blessing one. Um, Numbers chapter 6, starting at verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face or his countenance upon you and give you shalom, give you his peace. 
So they will put my name on the Israelites. Look what the Lord says. And I will bless them. Now, truth is, Pastor Jamie is a master at this. You, you don't sit here when he preached without him releasing a blessing over you before you go. He always does it. He's way more creative than I am. I'm old school, okay? I just use the words in the text. <laughs> but today, before you leave, when we finish, I am going to pronounce that blessing over you. And realize that if you in faith will receive that, benefit will come to your lives. I mean, is that cool or what? Yeah. You know, work up your blessing muscle. <laughs> you, you can do this. You can bless other people. Wow. Uh, wow. I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't have this one on the board for you, so I'll just read it. Matthew chapter... Nineteen verse, uh, oh, chapter eighteen, verse nineteen. And again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them, or there I am in the midst of them. Prayer of agreement. Now, I don't think this is superficial, and if you want to be, have a million dollars, you don't just find somebody who will agree with you and, and pray it, because I don't think anything's going to come out of that, all right? But you find two people, and their hearts are together, and they're seeking the Lord, and they find something to really, you know, that they, they, they really desire, and, and they go after that. Guess what? The, the Lord honors that prayer. Honors that prayer. Um, I mean, you, you have to see the potential of this for husbands and wives, okay? For husbands and wives, you know, to, to pray for their children, to bless their children. Paul Ternay, who, who uh, you know, he's a con Christian counselor, and he's also an author and uh, written a number of books. He said he has found that in counseling with couples, Christian couples, he said, inevitably, I'll find that they're having a hard time praying together for some reason. And he said, I believe that Satan attacks marriages right here, whole, you know, full force, to keep the couple from coming together in agreement. Why? Because agreement will change the world. Think of what can happen if parents come together in agreement and are beginning to really bless their children. Think of what can happen. If you're, if you're not able to pray with your spouse, get over it. <laughs> Make the adjustments, folks. Don't let Satan win that one. There's power in that whole thing. Huge power. I want to go to one more text this morning. and It's found in Luke chapter 5. Excuse me, Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 5. And so we'll read it. Uh, Luke chapter 11, 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, in our culture that, you know, 
probably doesn't happen too often where someone comes to you at midnight and says, here I am, you know, and, you, you know, they would call ahead surely. I mean, there's this, it's a different world we live in today. But back, you know, in Israel, most of the days are really hot. And so travel was often done in the evening, in the cool of the evening, and then often at night. And uh, so if you were close to somewhere and it was late, you just kept going until you got there. Now, to understand this, okay, you also need to understand the high value of hospitality in Eastern cultures. I lived for three and a half years in Eastern cultures, two different ones, but both of them had the same value. Hospitality was a huge value. When the crowd heard this and said he had, you know, realized the man realized he doesn't have any, uh, any bread to serve his guests, the crowd would have gasped. Oh, no, that was a crisis situation. Not only is his reputation at stake, actually the whole village's reputation at stake, is at stake. We have a visitor come and we can't set food before him. Oh, no. It was, hospitality is such a high, a high value. And I experienced that firsthand on several occasions. Now notice what happens. And suppose the one inside, so he goes and knocks, you know, hey, George, are you in there? Wake up. I, let me three loaves of bread. I know you have it. I saw you baking yesterday. <laughs> A friend of mine has come, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, again, it, you know, it, this actually should be put in the form of a question. That's really what the text is doing. What it's saying is, will the one inside say this? See, will the one inside say, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. Uh, I and the children are in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. Will he say that? Next verse. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I call this the most misunderstood translation in the Bible. Huge misunderstanding of the text and the culture. Huge. Will the one inside say, here I am in bed, and will that what he do? You know, and he, even though he won't get up and give him any because they're friend, because of friendship. How many of you have a friend? You get a call at night, hey, my car broke down, and I don't have, I, you know, could you come and help me? We get that call, we all, you know, friendship's a strong enough reason to answer that request. It is. We used to, before cell phones were, and before Uber, you get the phone call sometimes, and, hey, I'm at the airport, can you come and get me? <laughs> uh, but we do it, because of friend, friendship's strong enough reason, okay? Now, the word in the text, and it's translated bold because of the man's boldness, or, uh, you know, some places because of his persistence, but the word in Greek, the Greek word is the word anidia, and anidia only means one thing. And our, our text has caught that correctly. It means shamelessness. Shamelessness. Anidia, he's shameless. Shameless. 
Now, we, in our culture, we have, when someone's shameless, <laughs> it could easily be a bad thing. When I was in college, we had a group of people called streakers. <laughs> and they would pull ski masks over their head, they would take off all their clothes, and they would run buck naked through public places. <laughs> and we called them shameless, because they were. In our culture, to be a shameless person could be a really bad thing. But anidiah, okay, make no mistake about it. Anidiah is a word of great character. Anidiah uh, is someone who keeps all their promises. Anidiah is, is someone who, who will honor their word. Someone you can count on at the highest level. It's, a, it, it's probably the most profound character word you could use for another human being. Now, here's where this thing turns, okay? Our translators have taken the antecedent of Anidiah that, you know, they've taken to be the guy that's standing outside knocking. He's Anidiah. But the grammar doesn't tell you who the, who the Anidiah refers to. Why, who is its antecedent? It could be the guy outside, but it could be the guy Inside. You got to see this. Just as easily. Our transfers have taken to be the guy outside, and so he's, you know, and the, you know, shameless is, at least they got, you know, the new translation got that in there, but, but they still have identified the wrong, the wrong person. I mean, how would you, you know, if it's a guy outside, it's like, okay, here's what it's saying. If you bug God enough, <laughs> he'll answer your prayer. Okay, I'll give it to you. Let me know how that works for you, okay? But here's where the whole thing turns. What if the guy inside is Anidiah? What if the guy inside is full of character? who loves to keep his promise, whose word is always powerful. What if the guy inside is Anidiah? He's not going to say, I got, I, you know, I, I, I'm in bed, I got my children with me, I, you know, I can't get up and give. He's not going to say that. He's going to go and say, kids, get out of bed. We got a friend who needs help. Get up. We're going to see hospitality at work. You see the difference it makes? Turns on that little thing. Because the one inside keeps all of his promises. Is a person of his word. And his word is full of power. And that's why the next two verses happen, okay? Here they are. So I say to you, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks not finds, and the one who, who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, if you understand who's inside that door, ask. You will receive. Prayer becomes as easy as falling off a log. <laughs> <laughs> A 
ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. I love that one. How many here, you know, lose something every once in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. Does that happen to you? Let me tell you what I do, okay? If I find I'm missing something, the first thing I do is I go to prayer because I've been promised. And I'll even say, Lord, you have promised <laughs> that seek and I will find. And I got this thing, and uh, you don't have to tell me I'm dumb. I know that. <laughs> Always, 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 a short bit after that, I find it. Now, if you haven't been doing this, start doing it. You will be wonderfully surprised. Wonderfully surprised because God loves to answer that prayer. Loves to answer that prayer. A pastor friend of mine told me about an elderly man from his congregation uh, who, who was sick, went into the hospital, and probably near death. And uh, he visited him there, and as he entered the room, he looked across, and there was the bed, and, and on the other side of the bed, there was a chair pulled up beside the bed, and so the pastor just said, hey, hey, Donald, uh, uh, you know, it looks like I'm not your first visitor today. And the old man was puzzled for a moment, and then he said, oh, you know, Realizing the pastor has noticed the unoccupied empty chair close to the bed. And he just said, oh, you see, here's what happened years ago. I told my pastor that I had just a great difficulty in trying to pray. And my pastor said, Donald, don't worry about kneeling or placing yourself in some kind of pious position. When you pray, just sit down and pull up a chair close to you. And then imagine Jesus sitting in that chair and talk with him just like he would talk to a friend. And Donald said he had been doing that ever since. And he said, I daily have a talk with Jesus. A short time after the pastor's visit, the phone rang. It was Donald's daughter. She had called to say that her father had just passed away. Um, suddenly, she said he had, she had no idea that death was so near. She said, I was sitting with my father, and he was sleeping peaceably, so I went out of the room to take a short nap, and when I came back, he was dead. Then she added thoughtfully, she said, except one thing, now his hand was resting on that empty chair beside the bed. Doesn't that seem strange? And the pastor answered, no, I don't think it seems strange at all. I understand it fully. Jesus had clearly come, taken hold of Donald's hand and taken him to glory. Many of you will recognize the name Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold was part of our Revolutionary War. Uh, he actually was a general, held the rank of general in the U.S. Army. Uh, he won several battles for the U.S., um, but for some reason, oh, actually, there was a point at which even the Continental Congress uh, thought about replacing George Washington with Benedict Arnold because he had been so successful. But for some reason, Arnold got overlooked for several promotions, and then he married a woman whose family was loyal to the British causes, and we don't know the full mix of it, 
But Arnold made a decision, we all know this, to betray his country. He offered the British West Point, the fortress of West Point, with no battle for a certain sum of money, and they paid him that money. But before it could take place, Arnold's plot was found out. A friend who was a co-conspirator with him ended up being hung for his treason. Arnold managed to escape. He got on, onto a British or a ship going to, to England. And when he got to England, England refused, the British Isles refused him a commission in the army. And, and so he got into the real estate business. At the end of his life, Arnold was living alone only with a servant to help him. He was sick in bed and was sure he was about to die, and he called the servant. And he told the servant, go over to that chest over there and open it up. In the top, you're going to find a folded large American flag. 13 stripes, 13 stars. He said, bring that flag here. Roll my body in it. I want to die as an American. And so in his repentance, Arnold went to be with the Lord. As you come in here today, you know, we probably have some guests because of the holiday, and um, I don't know exactly where you're at spiritually. But, but I, I want to say this. There, there's something that Jesus offers us all, and you don't want to miss it. Because if you miss this in life, you miss everything. And so, you, you know, what I want you to do is use your chair as an altar this morning. And I always, uh, if, if, if you feel comfortable doing this, go ahead. I always put my hands over my heart as I pray personally, and I invite you to do that. If that's comfortable for you, you don't have to. And I want to ask you, eyes closed. I want to ask you, do you for sure know Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Son of God, King of all creation? Do you know him as your Savior and your Lord? Personally, do you know him? You know, not, not I hope I know him, not I think I know him, but do you know him for sure? Do you know him for sure? There's only one way to be sure, and, and, and that is you've done what he tells us to do. You've opened the door of your life. You invited him in to be your Lord, Savior, and King. To forgive your sins and gave you the gift of eternal life. And As you're here today and as we're closing this service, I, I just, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. and I'm going to invite you to pray it softly with me. If, if you're not sure or if you're returning to the Lord or or maybe you've never invited him into your life. If you've never done this, I want you to do it this morning with me. And I'll give you space between the lines. I'll give you the lines to say. And just speak them softly or in your heart. They go like this, dear Lord Jesus. I open the door of my life to you, the door of my heart. Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner.
I desperately need your forgiveness. And so Jesus, right now, I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I receive from you the gift of the forgiveness of my sins, which you paid for by your death on the cross. And Jesus, I also receive from you the gift of eternal life, which you affirmed and made possible through your resurrection from the dead. And I receive that as a gift right now. And Jesus, I want you to empower me to become the person that you want me to become. If you pray that prayer, the truth is Jesus came into your heart right now. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Wow, what an exciting adventure you've just begun. This morning, if you're here and you, you heard a message about prayer and, um, you know, maybe there's some things in that that, that you want to adopt. Maybe you're saying, hey, you know what? If I, if I put together a prayer journal, if I begin, just got a booklet and begin to write down the date and the and the petition, and then the date when it's answered. That would encourage my prayers. I see God answer. If, that, if that's you, you know, you can say, Jesus, today, I'm putting my, I'm, I'm saying, I want to do this. You can say, Jesus, I, I'm taking a pledge with you to, to put this into practice. There's nothing wrong with a pledge. Uh, you know, if it's an honest one before Jesus, why not? Why not? Maybe the practice of just every day, beginning each day with things you're thankful for. Develop a, a heart attitude of gratitude, a, a thankful heart. Why not? Why not? And there's those tools of prayer, those tools that we can use. Wow, how many of us can't bless somebody today? Oh, why not? Do lay hands on somebody's shoulders and say, in Jesus' name, I bless you. <laughs> And good things come out of that. I mean, this isn't rocket science, folks. <laughs> and it really works. It really works. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this weekend. And then, yeah, and yeah. And thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we finish, there'll be prayer ministers up front. And if you have a need today, we... We don't want you to leave before we have a chance to, you know, pray with you. So we want to do that, okay? But now for my ending, because here it is. <laughs> All right, stand up. Open your heart up. And receive, look up and receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace. I declare it over you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Go in peace. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. 
And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.